Hey, if you're enjoying this show, uh, consider supporting us on our Patreon. You can get cool perks like access to these episodes a week before they go public, and you can pick an album for us to review. Any support is greatly appreciated, so if you feel inclined, go to patreon.com slash polyphonicpress. listening to Polyphonic Press, a podcast for music lovers. Join your hosts, Jeremy Boyd and John Van Dyke, as they take a deep dive into a classic album and analyze it track by track. Hey, welcome to Polyphonic Press. I'm Jeremy Boyd. I'm John Van Dyke. And uh, basically, if you don't know how the show works, uh, we have no idea what album we're going to listen to this week. We review classic albums, but we don't know what album we listen to when we start recording. So we have a, a program here to uh, help us help us decide what uh, album we're going to listen to. So let's hit the button and see what album we're going to be listening to this week. And the li- album we're going to be listening to is... Lemonheads, it's a shame about Ray. I have no idea what any of that is, so let's find out. I think the name Lemonheads may have crossed my paths once or twice, but it's nothing I know anything about. I think so. they're like um, they're a, a, an an alternative band that were sort of like in the underground. Um, I think they were like a, a, an influence on like Nirvana. Mm. And like they're like an '80s punk band, I think. Okay, I think. Well, we'll find out. <clears throat> I was so, guessing maybe '90s. Yeah. Well, I think they they maybe started in the '80s, but they went into the okay. '90s. Well, we'll know. see. I think they were one of those bands that, uh, like they started in the underground and weren't popular until the '90s, but they were around in the '80s. Gotcha. Um. Okay. So. Uh, let's find out about the Lemonheads. Uh, Lemonheads are an American alternative rock band formed in Boston, Massachusetts in 1986. Evan Dando and Ben Daly and Jesse Peretz. So I think maybe they're a trio. Um, after the, their initial, after their initial punk influence releases and tours as an independent college rock band in the late 1980s, the Lemonheads' popularity with a mass audience grew in 1992 with the major label album It's a Shame About Ray, which is the album we're going to be listening to. Gotcha. So this is the, this album is their breakthrough album, their uh, major label debut. As What, uh, what year was that? Uh, 92. 92. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, it was produced by the Rob brothers, Bruce, Rob, and oh, three producers, Bruce, Rob, D, and Joe. Uh, this was followed by a cover of Simon and Garfunkel's Mrs. Robinson. I think I might have heard that cover of the Simon and Garfunkel song. I'm not sure, but I think I might have heard that. We'll find out. It might have been on a movie soundtrack somewhere. Yeah, that's um, all right. So, uh, what about the album? Let's go to the album and find out. Okay, It's a Shame About Ray is the fifth album by American alternative rock band The Lemonheads, released on June 2nd, 1992. 
The album was produced by the Rob Brothers. At the time of principal recording, the band consisted of Evan Dando, Juliana Hatfield on uh, Evan Dando lead vocals and guitar, Juliana Hatfield bass and b- backing vocals, and David Ryan on drums. Uh, though not originally on the album, the band's cover of Simon and Garfunkel's Mrs. Robinson was added to the album in later pressings after it had become a major worldwide radio hit, and it features a later lineup of the band with Nick Dalton on bass. Um, cool. So I yeah, think right? what we'll do is we'll, because it was sort of part of the release, we will include the, the cover of Mrs. Robinson Yeah, okay. on this episode. So kind of like a bonus track or something. Yeah. Okay. So the, uh, well, there's short songs on here. Um, so the first song is called rock and stroll. So here we go. Okay. Wow. Um, first of all, I really, really, really like that. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, one of the first, I think it's, first of all, I think it's too short. I think it could have gone on a little longer. Um, it's only a minute and 46 seconds. Um, I don't know there's something about it that I really like. Um, one of the things that I like about it is, uh, the, um, the chords in the verse were descending and the vocal melody was kind of doing the opposite. And there were, it's like the chords were descending and the vocal was ascending. It was kind of mm. creating this juxtaposition and this counterpoint. I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah, actually I did notice that. Um, that's pretty cool. I have noticed that a lot of music from this era, um, I don't know. It seems to be the sound of it <sighs> sounds a little generic to me. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm, it's hard to pinpoint what it is, but it's like the, uh, overall sound of the guitars and everything just had lacks a bit of character. Yeah. Well, I think this was, um, maybe because of the, it's the kind of the start of the, the loudness war and mm. things were starting to get, uh, like over compressed. Okay. That might have something to do with it. Cause yeah, the, the guitars, like there weren't a lot of dynamics in the song. It was yeah. just kind of like, and then it was over. Yeah. Um, which I mean that I don't necessarily hate. It's just, yeah. um, it's, it's like one of my favorite things is when, when I like hear a guitar part, I like being able to sort of pick out, I like a, a unique guitar tone. And I couldn't pick out anything like that. It was just a generic guitar strum sound and I can't even yeah. tell what they were using or, or anything like that. It was just seemed, and that, and it's not everything. It's just, uh, most of the production just sort of came off that way. It wasn't yeah. bad. It just seemed a little lacking of color or something. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, maybe the producers weren't putting as much effort as they could have in this. Into the, well, um, having, yeah, something with, with a little more character. I wonder. Uh, that's I just wonder, the first track. Yeah, yeah we'll that's see. true. I, I wonder if maybe that's, um, I wonder if their earlier stuff is more um, interesting. I don't in know. In that regard, because maybe this is, that's maybe the, uh, this is their major label debut and maybe it's the record company kind of meddling maybe. with things. <laughs> maybe. Who knows? You know. I don't know. 
That, that, yeah, that's I can see what you where you're coming from. That it it does have that. Uh, well, I mean, this is '92, so it's like Nirvana was was like at the peak of their yeah um, uh, of their popularity. I'm sure every record company was trying to, but you they've know, got a capture that. But they've got like different tones and 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 yeah. textures and things that that are very uniquely them. Right. Um. Yeah, this it was very. I don't know, not a bad song. It was, mm-hmm. you know, no. It was, the song it was a itself fun, is, the, the song is itself good. was actually it's pretty good. It was, yeah, you know, it just. I don't know, something just was missing in the overall thing for me. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, well, I'm curious about the the next song. Um, so uh, let's hear that one. It's called uh, Confetti. Yeah, I can see what you're saying about the production. Yeah, <laughs> it's that one it's, was a little. There was a little more character in that one, but, yeah. but it still seemed it needs to be taken a little bit further. It's um, it's a shame because I think the the like the band is playing really well. Absolutely, and the, I thought that was an interesting song. Uh, it, they you know they're an American band and band, but that song they they sounded really British on uh yeah. on that one and some of that yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the guitar solo, I thought could have been brought up a little bit in the mix. Yeah, that, yeah, um, for sure. Um, it seemed a little quiet, but, but that was, you know, that's, that's certainly not the worst, uh, worst thing at all. Um, no, it, it wasn't exactly like hidden or anything like that. No. Which is, um, yeah, otherwise, I mean, I, I kind of, I definitely, I like that track a little bit more. It had sort of like a jangle pop sort of thing going to it. Yeah. But again, the the character was a little bit buried in that, but it was starting to emerge a little bit. Yeah. So, um, but but yeah, um, again, we're we're only two tracks in, so yeah. <laughs> um, I like to. I, I know I've said this before, but uh, I I always like it when uh, like an acoustic and electric guitar are playing um, side yeah. by side like that. Um. I always like that sound. And, uh, so I like that. Um, and, uh, and yeah, yeah, you're like, I think, um, yeah, I, I think I like this song better than the, the opening track. And and it is because of the sort of the more jangly kind of thing you're going for on this one. Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm interested to hear the, uh, the rest of the album yeah see if if it holds up or or not <laughs> <laughs> so uh let's get into the uh the next song which is the title track uh it's a shame about ray okay a couple things um i liked the uh the chord changes in the intro and I liked the way the bass was playing against it, creating Mm. a little bit of dissonance there. I thought that was really well done. Um, I think, I think so far this is my favorite song of the three that we've heard. Um, but the guitars sound the same as the other songs. Mm. Um, the drums I don't think the drums sound on this fits the style of music. The drums do seem to be a little bit, again, a little bit buried in the mix. 
Um, maybe I just like it when things sort of stand out more on their own. Yeah. And, and I like a little bit of that shimmer in a guitar tone or something like that, or, yeah. or a honk or something, something that, that can really like. But I will say, I will yeah. say, I think the, I think be, this guitar tone fits this song better because yeah. it is in a minor key and it's a bit of a more melancholy sound. Yeah. That it has guitar like, tone fits this song. Yeah. It's got that melancholy, almost like a summer breezy sound right. to it. And, and that, and, and yeah, that acoustic of playing with the electric, especially done in this way, really does fit that song. Yeah. Um, but I, I like it when something will stand out. Well, the, I, the, the, I think the problem with the drums is they have, it has too much reverb on them. Um, There's a little bit, yeah. And I think Maybe. because it, I don't know, when whenever drums have too much reverb, you know, the, I know this is 1992, so it's, the 80s are still, you know, pretty close and yeah some of the strength some of the trends from the 80s are still bleeding over but i think um that drum sound you know whether you like it or not that drum sound maybe fits with glam metal like poison and that kind of thing mm. i don't think it really works in this context in, in a band like this i think it, it would have been better off with a more natural sounding drums yeah and uh, you're right if they were a little, a little higher more present a little more yeah. present and you know had a little more character to them i think it's partly because you know uh the drums sound sort of a little too airy yeah. and then the guitar sound too airy and then um the bass is generally all right although again it's down in the mix and it doesn't seem to do anything to cut to combat that overall airiness it's yeah. you need something that sort of juxtap uh, juxtaposes with um you know the, the other character uh, you need something uh, you don't want it to necessarily fight it but you, but you know uh something's got to give it a to character balance it out yeah 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 and and the vocals i think um I, I don't know i i don't know about the cuz i think maybe the vocals the way that they're mixed Maybe do like that that sort of distant um sort of sound to the vocals, maybe because of the music and it is like a more somber thing, maybe that does work mm. with this. I don't know if it would necessarily work with every song. Right. Um I don't know. Yeah. Um I just I think they could have taken another pass at it and uh you know, they may have made these choices deliberately and we're just, yep. you know, it's just a disagreement, but, <laughs> you know, it, it, it just, it sounds like, um, maybe, maybe they're, you know, the producers are still pretty young and inexperienced, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. I, I don't know the ages of these guys. Yeah. Um, I know the band's been around what you said. This was their fifth album, but this, this is, is their, their first fifth album, but yeah. it's the first one that really made any, any waves. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. I, 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 uh, I tend to do this a lot, but it, it, you know, if I were producing it, I would make some, uh, different choices, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's like, I'm trying to think of like, this is up against things like, oh, and this is a very Canadian perspective. I'm thinking of like, uh, uh, the Tragically Hips first album or something like that. 
yeah. came out around, well, it came out, was the first up? No, second album. I'm thinking of the second album, came out in 89. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm thinking of how everything had this punch to it. And the the guitars and the bass and the and the drums and everything it still sounded of its period but it's it had a presence and it had a it just there's so much character to it and and and, and nothing sounded like it was trying to hide something yeah well i mean an, another al- another album that came out uh closer to to this one yeah. is uh the black crows second yes album. um and that album you know does have a lot of character in the yes. guitar tone, even though, um, I, I think the difference is that album was mostly recorded live off the floor. And sometimes that makes a difference, but, but I think even if they, if they didn't li- uh, do it live off the floor, they just make sort of different, just, it, it's, I don't know, too airy to me, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. It's, it's too, um, it's like it's almost like there's a distance between the listener and the music. Yeah. Whereas uh you know the southern harmony it's everything is more clear and upfront and you know right it's like you're right in front of the band listening to it. And, and yet it can still convey a sense of openness like 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 open fields or something like that. Yeah. You still get that out of par- some parts of the song but 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 it feels like that field is more present to you. You're not right. like watching it from I don't know a void and seeing this open field as like the closest thing. I don't know. It's 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 a little bit. Uh, I I don't know what the right word is. You you almost feel a little bit disconnected. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're. It's like you're not. Um... And it, it, the thing is, <laughs> it's a shame because it's about it's, Ray. It, it, it's not it, well, <laughs> it, <laughs> uh, but you know the thing is, like the, the, these songs uh, call they want to be connected with, yeah. And it's like there's um, a, like you're reaching for the music and there's like this barrier between you and, and the music, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 I, I kind of feel, yeah. And, and my, my, another part of my point is that this, this band is not the only, um, they aren't the only band that committed this sin at this period. There seemed to be a lot of bands that had this sort of sound to it. And yeah. it was very hard. It's just like, they're playing stuff that I should like. Why am I having a hard time connecting with this? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, let's uh, move on to the next track. Yeah. Um, next one is called uh, Rudderless. So. Cool. Yeah. Um, I, that one wasn't bad. Yeah, I I, I kind of like some of the uh, they 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 were definitely you could hear a little bit more uh, uh, risks being taken in, in the studio for that one. It's kind of cool. Yeah, and and I think when they're trying to say that it's like a ship without a rudder, uh, I think they mean a barge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so I was actually just reading about the producer, and uh, the producer is named. Uh, Bruce Robb and he was in a 
band in the 60s called The Robs. Okay, I've um, heard of them. Believe they, it or not. <laughs> yeah, well, I believe it. Um, he uh, he um, apparently opened a studio in California called Cherokee Studios, which uh, is actually um, pretty famous. I've heard of Cherokee Studios. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's produced people like... Um, most Deaf, Macy Gray, Henry Rollins, Steve Vai, Lemonheads, John Mellencamp, Steve Cropper, Ringo Starr, Etta James, Art Garfunkel, Rod Stewart, Del Shannon, and Wilson Pickett, amongst others. That's so a pretty good lineup. So now I don't feel so bad criticizing him. So <laughs> no, he wasn't a young guy. No, so it's just. <laughs> Choices he's making that I'm disagreeing with. <laughs> yes. You know, um, I, you know, and the thing is, uh, obviously he, uh, I think the, 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 the downfall of the, of this album, if there is any, is that it's a product of its time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get it. I mean, you know, when you're making an album in a studio, it's hard to, avoid trends of the current time. Even if you're not conscious of it, you're still going to, you know, do stuff that is, is, you know, popular at the moment. Yeah. Um, It'll, it'll leak through even when there's a pretty good example of what I'm thinking of. Okay. Think of like the sixties garage revival of the mm eighties. These are bands are all trying to recreate that sound from the sixties yet. It still comes off sounding a bit like the mid eighties, at least their particular brand of the mid eighties, um, early mid eighties, whatever, you know? Um, and that's not a problem. I still love that stuff, but you can definitely tell it's of a different period. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to get away from, you know, sometimes it's not necessarily a bad thing. It it, it will stay, the period will put its stamp on your stuff regardless, unless you're like meticulous about trying to get every ounce of, you know, modern influence out of your stuff as humanly possible. Yeah. I guess it's not impossible, but it's almost impossible. (laughs) Well, I remember, um, (laughs) I remember getting the the soundtrack to Almost Famous. Right. And the songs that were recorded for the band for that movie were Fever Dog, yeah. And what what no, what was the band called? Uh Stillwater. Stillwater, that's right. And I remember the first time cuz in the movie you don't really notice it, but I remember hearing the recordings for mm. the first time and thinking this doesn't sound like the seventies. <laughs> it sounds a bit like the seventies, but yes, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, it sounded more like the seventies than say the wonders did sound like the, the sixties. Yeah. Um, which again, it was actually a decent song after watching the movie. You get kind of sick of the song cause it's <laughs> being played constantly through it. Yeah. But I would hear it on the radio every once in a while. I was like, Oh, that's a neat sort of sixties pop sounding song. I yeah. mean, clearly it doesn't sound like it was recorded in the sixties, but you know, um, yeah. Um, yeah. It, the, the, it, the period of which it is actually from is more present than in a lot of cases, the period in which it is trying to be from. Yeah. But you can, and you can still hear the, uh, what they're trying to go for as well. Of course. But, oh yeah. I mean, 
um, when I hear the wonder. I didn't know when I first heard it. I didn't know it was a supposed to be a. Uh, um, it was from a movie. I had no idea. I just heard basically jangle pop. It, it sounded like any one of those other jangle pop bands from the eighties or nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually a better one, <laughs> yeah. probably because yeah. they were trying to be more sixties. Right. They were, they were deliberately trying to make it sound yes. like it was recorded in the sixties. Yeah. Yes. Which they didn't yeah. quite do. <laughs> didn't quite As we were talking off. about. No, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cause they recorded on equipment from the nineties. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, uh, the next song is, uh, is an interesting title. It's called My Drug Buddy. <laughs> so here we go. So right. that was a great song. Um, I probably would have mixed it totally different. Yeah. Um, I find it, it's, uh, this one didn't sound uh, so out of place. Uh, or at least the, the, the production didn't sound so out of place for me on this one. It sounded well, like, this song almost could have been exactly as it was on an album full of other song of everything else had what I was talking about earlier yeah. to beat a dead horse. <laughs> well, what, what I, what I would do differently is I, I would have turned the drums down in the mix because okay. I thought they were too, too high, too present. Um, cause this is like a, this is a slower ballad kind of song. Yeah. I might've given him a more dry drum sound. Even if I yeah. didn't turn them down, they'd be drier. And I was, I knew that they were there and I could kind of hear them. The acoustic guitars, I would have brought them up a little more. Hmm. Um, yeah, that would, yeah. More presence for, yeah, I, I can hear that. Yeah. Um, cause I think this song, um, I like the organ. I would have the kept organ that was in, great, yeah. But I put I would have blended it more with the guitars, um, I, and and sort of created sort of a a, a texture or like a soundscape w- blending the organ with the guitars. I would have turned the drums down a little bit and brought the bass up a little a little bit more, um, just because I I think the the drums in that one kind of overpowered everything else. Maybe. Um, I, I didn't find them so overpowering. I think they were a little bit louder and everything else, but, but because of the reverb on it, like that yeah. seems to be the decision that they took to take it down from being overpowering. Mm-hmm. Whereas I would have rather had more presence. Um, yeah, again, we, we're just disagreeing with the way they mix yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I mean, there, there's probably, you know, fans going, oh, they're nitpicking, they're nitpicking. Well, we kind of are, but that's our Yeah, job. we're that, we <laughs> are nitpicking. This is true. Yeah. This is kind of, but, but whereas a lot of stuff, like I'm perfectly happy to leave it alone mm-hmm. um, and it won't bother me. And actually this song doesn't bother me nearly as much as, I don't know, that first one yeah. just kind of hit me weird. Um, yeah. And a couple, I mean, it's becoming less and less of a problem, though I'm still very aware of that sound, mm-hmm. and it's kind of hard to get out of my head. Here's another band that I thought sort of does. I, I know understand the sort of atmosphere they're trying to get with this album, but there's other bands that get the same sort of atmosphere much more effectively without making their stuff sound so dead or something. Right. Um, and I'm thinking another Canadian example, uh, Blue Rodeo. 
Mm-hmm. They're they're masters at it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we were talking about, uh, uh, oh, for pity's sakes, the tragically hip. They certainly did it multiple times. And we were talking about the Black Crows. They certainly did it um, quite a few times throughout their career, depending on what they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. Southern Harmony is a perfect example of how they would go about that sort of thing. But but everything still had a presence. Everything still had this unique sort of tonal quality to it. Um, you could pick things out. It didn't just seem like this wash. Mm-hmm. Um, it just everything had these characters. Like it, it's like um, when when you do like almost uh, in, in painting and stuff like that. When I was in design, like uh, my uh, professor was telling me how basically every color contains every other color, and you can make certain colors but you can bring out tonalities of other colors in it if you want. And you sometimes will see like sketches that people will do and you wonder why part of their face is blue or or, gray or red or anything. But when you look at the overall whole, you sort of get the, the, the uh, proper shading and stuff like that. Even if it's a little bit different, that's sort of like the different between difference between like, let's say the production quality of this, where they're painting everything as you would uh, surface level perceive it. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know the 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 black uh, blue rodeo or the black crows come in and they'll do the same image, but they'll bring out all these other colors and tones and and and, and um um shadows and 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 highlights and stuff like that in places, and it just seems a little bit more alive, and it just mm-hmm. seems a little bit more real, and there's a lot more. It's a lot moodier. So yeah, that just seems yeah. to be. Th- the way I can sort of c- compare. Um, but yeah, I'm still beating that dead horse. <laughs> womp, 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 womp. Yeah. Hey, no. Are you alive? Nay. <laughs> but no, yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, you, you know, I, it, it's, um, there was, I think it was on the, um, the documentary on, uh, the making of, uh, damn the torpedoes where Mike Campbell was talking about, well, you can make, you can make an album all on one guitar and get a few variations on the tone. That's but the, if you he's talking about his 12 string, yep. Yeah. But if you, uh, choose, okay, well, and just think about for a second, okay, well, what does this song call for? Do you, can we, you know, does it need a, like a Gibson, like humbucker tone? Does it need, like a single coil, like a fender or something in between, like a Gretsch, you know, what, what would make this song, you know, just elevate the song to the next level. And it sounds like this album, these producers aren't really having those discussions. Um, It's, it just seems like, well, you know, we'll just, you know, bring your guitar and we'll set it up and, well record which i mean it's cool if if you're going for that you know raw sort of unpolished sound that's cool but it sounds like because the the drums are mixed the way they are and it sounds like they're you know putting all there it sounds like they're putting a lot of thought into this it doesn't sound unpolished um it just kind of you know it, it doesn't you know what I mean? Like it, 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 it just sounds like they, they should be having those discussions on, you know, what 
what tones or what, uh, you know, how we can, um, mix this differently or, or, you know, what guitar maybe change out an amp or something. Uh, but it just seems like they're not having those conversations about what they need to do. Yeah. And, and I'd also like to put another point in, um, we, and this sort of alludes to that, the, the, the let it be documentary, which I just watched. Um, whereas there's other ways to achieve that and you don't necessarily have to switch out instruments. And when you're watching the Beatles say record, let it be there, they basically showed up with basically they picked their favorite instrument and that's almost all they use throughout the whole thing with a few exceptions. Um, but for the most part, that's, you know, um, George has got his, that the, the red less Paul, um, Paul's got his Hofner bass, much to the annoyance of Glenn Johns. Um, <laughs> and uh, Ringo's got the drum kit and John's got his casino. Yeah. Um, yeah, but they can get all these different sort of... The, every song doesn't sound like it came out of exactly the same template or anything like that. It, it's everything's... I mean, the instruments they're using are largely exactly the same, but there's ways to... I mean, there's tone knobs and things like that, but there's also Glenn Johns is a master of taking whatever is being thrown at him and he can move it around and, 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 and shape it to the way it needs to be. Um, and nothing comes out of saying sounding like it's exactly the same as the last thing. Um, yeah. And nothing sounds like it's a, a flat wash. You're getting those colors, you're getting those textures. Yeah. 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 It, it's exactly right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I think what I would, what, what I would have liked to have heard is, um, is have them sort of, uh, uh, you know, take that extra step. And, and cause I, like I said, there, so far there isn't a bad song here. No, the it's, songs it's themselves good... are great. Um, yeah. like I, I've, I'm not, I've not been disappointed with the actual songs and I think they deserve, um, more attention to the production and, mm -hmm. and a little more time and a little more thought in, well, you know, what, what, uh, you know, what effects or what, um, tones or what, um, you know, how we can mix it, you know, what would make this song really come out? Um, maybe like, I honestly, I, I obviously we weren't in the studio when they were no. recording. So we, and I don't really know much about the producer or this band. I mean, uh, this is like the first time that I've, I mean, I, I think I've, I'm sure I've heard of the Lemonheads before, but I didn't really know anything about them. Right. Um, so, but, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, the, obviously they weren't disappointed with the way the album came out because, uh, uh, Bruce Rob produced the next album as well. Okay. Um, but I don't know, maybe, I, I don't know if, if the record company assigned the producer or what happened. Um. And again, I'm thinking it was probably more than accepted at the time. Well, obviously, it's on this list or mm -hmm. one of these lists thrown into our mix of yeah. lists. Um, my, and it, it, my, was less, it was less. It was it was less. It it. I mean, it hit differently at the time than it says than it like say it does now. And most people remember it. It's a piece of nostalgia for them now. Yeah, and we've talked about that before. Yeah, I think I just think 
part of the frustration that I'm having is these songs are really good. Right. And they deserve better. Yes. They deserve more attention Mm -hmm. um, than, you know, just mixing them all the same. Right. Yeah, Um, I I agree. I think that's a pretty good way to put it. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I would love to get my hands on the masters or, or, or the board and just start moving around some switches and taking out some reverb or adding or whatever. Yeah. Just, and then creating my own remaster of it. But then you run the risk of doing what Phil Spector did to let it be. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. But he, he basically brought in an orchestra. That was a little bit of a, uh, an egregious process. He got no permission to do that, but this is Phil Spector we're talking about. Yeah. (laughs) Phil Spector didn't get permission to do anything. (laughs) No. Um, all right. Well, uh, we've got, uh, we're about halfway through the album. Uh, so, uh, Let's get to the next one. It's called uh, The Turnpike Down. That was a good song. Yeah, there was some neat stuff going on in that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 the, the vocals, I think, um, could have been a little higher. But uh, other than that, I mean, it has the same things going on that we've right. ta- already talked about. So I don't want to keep going whack, on about whack. it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, no the 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 song I think was was really good. Um, yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting when the uh, guitars were you know in sort of like that clean tone playing along with the acoustics, and then it would gradually get a little bit dirtier in that one part. I thought that was sort of a neat transition. Yeah, yeah that yeah that was uh, that was like, really cool. They're full of all these ideas. I just wish somebody else had given a chance whatever anyway yeah i know (laughs) know. um yeah uh other than that i don't really have anything more to say that uh hasn't already been said pretty much um so let's move on to the uh next one the next song is called a bit part see i think that's one of the few songs where the production was actually kind of working for it. Mm. Um, it was a very bit part indeed. It's only yes, a minute and, and 50 seconds or yeah, so. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, that sort of, because of the the content of the lyrics, I think that yeah. distance kind of works for it, you know? Yeah. It starts off with a screaming fit. But that's yeah. a little bit different. There is definitely a juxtaposition between the sound of the overall sound and, and of course then that. Yeah. It might be a little bit jarring if you weren't expecting it. I don't yeah. think we were expecting it. I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um I think, you know, I think this song um actually could have been a bit longer. Um But it, it I don't know. I think the length sort of, sort of fits its yeah, that's true. Um, it's a bit the part, content. You know, it's, yeah, exactly. It's message. Yeah. So I, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I, th- I, uh, I like that song. Um, I don't really have anything else to add about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> do this. That just usually means we need to move on to the next one. Yeah. I mean, that was, what song was that? Seven. Seven. Out um, of, I guess we're doing 13? 13, yeah. Okay. So, uh, the next one is called Allison's Starting to Happen. Well, let's hope so. 
that's more like it. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. That's like is this is way more alive going on in that one. That sounded yeah. like somebody else came in that day. Yeah, <laughs> that. Yeah, no, I mean, um, I okay, yeah. I, I, um, there's a few things I wanted to say. Uh, I liked the uh, the breakdown, um, with the cowbell and the uh, the guitars, the rhythm that they were kind of right. uh, creating together was really cool. Um, yeah. And the, the, there was a lot more going on with that song than there has been up until this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, I think that's my favorite song. Yeah. Me too. By far. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a whopping improvement. Yeah. <laughs> more of that, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was just a great song too. I love was... some of the stuff they, they, they did in that. I mean, they were doing all those great ideas. Well, you know, great ideas, much like we were hearing in the rest of this album, but it was just presented a little bit better. It came out, it was just way more alive. I don't know. It just sounded like night and day. Yeah. It just, it sounded like everything was, I I think the the sun came out. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I think the problem so far is, is, you know, my my criticisms so far have been well this needs to be a little louder or this needs to be brought down yeah and this is the first time i'm thinking wow everything is balanced there's um i can hear everything that i need to hear and um you know this is just the way it's supposed to sound yeah but it didn't sound like this gray wash exactly there was things that you could pick out that that actually he'd stimulated your brain yeah. um, mo- throughout most of this album. I'm having a hard time getting my brain stimulated. It sounds very, again, there's just this gray wash. It's, 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 it's kind of boring. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah. and it's not because the songs are bad. It's no. because the production just sounds dead to me. Mm-hmm. Um, this song is, I want to hear more of that. I hope there's yeah. more of that. <laughs> yeah yeah um uh yeah i i totally agree um the uh the next song is actually one that i'm curious to hear because uh it has a slide guitar and the person playing the slide guitar is jeff baxter from oh. um uh he was in steely dan and the dewey brothers yeah he did so. a lot of uh, studio stuff too yeah yeah, he's really good. So I'm very curious to, curious to hear that. So um, the next song is called Hannah and Gabby. Are they doing this on purpose? Are they are they making the, are they like making the production choices early in the album and then slowly bringing everything into focus? Because that one was pretty good, too. That one was a really good one. And it was partly, I mean, again, it was still that overall sound. But because Jeff Baxter was there with the slide guitar, it gave you that thing that sort of, there was that sharp pit part that that was stimulating. It it, it poked through and and it gave you something to focus on. Putting putting the seasoning on the top of the dish. Exactly. It's like it's that, that thing that... Yeah, you Your know, meat and potatoes is fine, but it's nice to season it once in a while. Maybe, <laughs> maybe all this album needs is a little bit of like, 
I don't know, like a per, uh, percussion, like a shaker or a tambourine or something to just kind of well, the bring last everything had, into focus. I mean, the Allison starting to happen had that cowbell going through. Yeah, and, and that maybe that's really why. Helped. It's partly it, but there was a lot of other things going on in that one. Man, that yeah. song, that was a decent song. Yeah, um, yeah this last one, is, it had that sort of a, a country-ish flavor to it. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it worked pretty well. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, you just need more, you need, like, something like that glassy, something that, that, that pokes through, or, 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 you know, when I talk about, like, a honk, like, a Les Paul has, like, that honky sound, or, mm-hmm. or, um, 12-string Rickenbacker's got that chimey, jangly, but these are, like, very bright tones, they come out, they're very clear, they've yeah. got very def, uh, like, a definitive uh like the equivalent of a color yeah um yeah uh, like for the ears yeah like the challenge is you don't want anything that's going to take away from the vocals of course um but maybe you you need something to make it alive yeah you need something that's going to stand out and set it apart from uh from the other instruments because look it's you know they're like my favorite album damn the torpedoes it has the that that very distinct drum sound mm-hmm. and and pretty much every song on the album has that drum sound, but then that's okay as long. And so that's the foundation, but there, the guitar tones on everything else are, are, are the variables and right. you know, it's not the same every time. So I think, um, and they do have like, uh, you know, different things going on with it. I'm, I'm picking that album because I'm, that's the one I'm most familiar with, but, right. um, no, it's a good, know, it's a good reference. Yeah. Um, so, so, so that, that production kind of works for that. It, it has like, there's, there's a percussion, like there's shakers on pretty much every, uh, every song just to kind of tie it all together and just to, um, even if you don't notice it, even if the listener doesn't notice that it's there, it's, it's, it's a subconscious thing. It's doing something to move the track along. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of these songs need something like that. Yeah. Even if nothing else has changed, even if the production is, stays the same. Yeah. I it think just needs it, another element to t- to get your ears interested. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, yeah exactly. I th- yeah. So I th- I think the the progression on the last song and the uh the I, th- I think it's a pedal steel guitar he's playing. Yeah, it's a pedal steel for um, sure. Maybe it's a lap song, steel, but I think it's a pedal steel. Yeah. Uh so the the addition of those things are kind of making me realize that that's what's missing. Yeah. It's just that li- that that extra seasoning on top to make the 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 flavor come out or, you know, or the, the colors to, to pop or whatever, you know, analogy you want to use. Um, it's just that, that, that thing on top that, that just separates everything, separates the song and gives it a, something distinct. And, um, yeah, I think that's, that's what's missing from the other, other songs. I'm thinking back again to the, the black crows and you're thinking, um, and, and as popular as that first album was, <clears throat> there was definitely an extra element when Eddie Harsh joined the band 
and he added that organ. Yeah. And the Black Crow suddenly had like the sound. Yeah. Which is even if yeah. the the organ wasn't because a lot of most of their stuff was very guitar driven. Oh, it was. And even but that. Yeah. Even if the organ wasn't, you know, as present in the mix, it was still there, and it was still like even if you're not aware of it, it's still adding this texture to uh, the songs that, um, again, give it that sort of little lift. Yeah. Um, I think of the song like Remedy. You know, you this that song you you know that guitar line but if you go back and listen to that song one of the more if you took out eddie harsh's uh i think he's playing a fender Rhodes. Mm, yeah maybe it's a Wurlitzer, but it, i'm pretty sure it's a fender yeah. Rhodes. if you take out that electric piano suddenly the song isn't that song anymore but yeah it, but that's not the first thing you think of when you think no. of that song yeah it's just that extra little thing in there that creates um yeah it, it really gets you thinking about all the different elements that make up things that go unnoticed but are actually quite essential to its overall makeup yeah yeah um and this album needs more of that <laughs> yeah. yeah um it's a challenge when uh the band is a three-piece <laughs> you uh, know, yeah i think that's part of the but, challenge but then but, again you, know. you think back to like the cream albums or the uh, Jimi hendrix experience they never struggled with this no i mean and, and when you know when you're well that's that's true uh but uh, you know you can always bring in if you're making a record you can always bring in other music yeah this is you, know, this you don't is necessarily have to i don't think do it exactly did, the though. way you did it live but um no i don't think Jimi hendrix experience or cream no, I don't think anybody they, else they, the power trio was their thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I don't know. I'm just saying it's doable. Yeah. Three people can make enough noise to actually yeah. make it interesting. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Or, or, the or in the white stripes yeah. case or the black keys, two people. Yeah. Two people. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, so uh, the next song is called Kitchen. So let's hear it. Hopefully it's, it continues down the same path. Yeah, I'd like to hear more of what's going on in the second half. Yeah. All right. Okay. It's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of feeling a, a little bit uh, like that song. They, they were throwing more elements in there. I like the guitar thing they were doing. Yeah. Um, I thought it was kind of neat. The background vocals and the hand claps were giving it a little bit of an extra sort of texture, but mm -hmm. I think they still buried that stuff a little bit too far in the mix. Yeah. I was going to um, say the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a little bit like that could have give, given it a little more presence. Like a lot of this stuff needs a lot more presence, like we've mm -hmm. been saying before. Um, but yeah. Um, but at they're, least they're trying. They are trying. They're putting yeah. stuff. And, and again, the, uh, the songs themselves are still pretty high quality. I can, yeah. I can, I can tell that there's, there's definitely a spark there, but they're not letting it turn into a flame. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I mean, this is one, of, I think this was one of the better songs mm -hmm. on, on the album. I mean, um, Oh yeah. It, because it's an improvement it those, over the first half. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah. And I think maybe as far as songs go, you know, it's hard to pick a favorite, but I think 
Yeah, I mean, this might be a favorite. This is one of the better ones anyway. Yeah. Um, I think Allison's starting to happen. As short as it was, is still probably my favorite on this one. Yeah. And maybe it's just the way they actually gave it um, the uh, the life that it, that it so desperately needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it was just a decent song anyway. Um, yeah. But I, I think... Honestly, if if the rest of the songs on this album were given the same treatment that that one was, or a similar treatment, um, more accurately, uh, almost every one of these songs could probably be as good. Mm-hmm. Maybe better. We'll see. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. Um, so we've got uh, three songs left. Well, two, really, but the, the last one is... Uh, the bonus track. So, uh, the next one, <laughs> I just noticed the title. The next one is called ceiling fan in my spoon. <laughs> Ooh, now we're getting psychedelic. There's a story behind that one. Probably. <laughs> All right, here we go. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty good. That one was, uh, Again, a lot more lively. This the second half of this album was definitely it's like a completely different animal than the other one. Yeah, um, it, it it's really interesting. It's it's like they, I don't know if they recorded these in sequence, probably not. But it's almost like you know they recorded the first half of the album and went, you know, I'm bored. We need something else in here. Yeah, and then they did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that song was like a a punk track or something like that. It sounded. It's the one that sounds the least in line with what everything else was, but you can still tell it's the same band. Mm-hmm. And that's honestly, that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. That's, that's the mark of uh, a good band. I mean, yeah. Um, and it also, I mean, you know, I know we've criticized the production a lot on this, but basically a lot, a lot, a lot. But I, one, whack, one whack, thing that whack. I can say is, um, that the producers let this band be themselves. Mm -hmm. And I know this is, you know, 1992 and, and before, uh, things like, uh, beat detective and what to correct the, the timing of, of the instruments and auto tune and, and all that kind of correction came in. But, um, you know, they're, they, they're letting the band play the way that they play. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, uh, you know, I, I have to give the pr- producers credit for that because a lot of producers won't do that. <laughs> won't do that. No. No. Yeah. This, this is, if it's not my favorite song, it's at least my second favorite song. So yeah. Song eight, song 11, thumbs up for sure. And song remember, nine's pretty good too. Yeah. I remember, uh, <laughs> This is kind of a funny story. When I was going to school for audio engineering, I remember one of my teachers, uh, he was like a young apprentice working with an engineer and he went to him saying, I don't, because you know, uh, on an acoustic guitar, you can especially hear when you're changing chords, you can hear the scrape of the fingers yeah. across the strings. I sometimes really like that, though. And, well, yeah, and he the the he was saying to this engineer, it's like oh, they they were mixing. And it's like I don't know how to get rid of that. And uh, the uh, 
the older, wiser engineer says, that's just part of the sound, man. Yeah, it's the older, wiser. It's just like, why do you want to get rid of it? Yeah. Don't yeah. get rid of it. Yeah. Like, oh, and I think we've talked about this before on the podcast. If not, I don't know if it was hidden on one of the ones that turned out weird. Anyway, we're, when we were recording that uh, organist. Um, yeah. We were going around from all these different churches all over the province, basically. And uh, we intentionally mic'd up things like inside the organ, because part of what he was trying to do was showcase these different organs. Yeah. He's playing these pieces. And again, it's mostly like classical and organ, you know, things. But we wanted to like showcase the organ itself. And some of that was like, you can hear some of the steam being generated or, 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 or the mechanisms and valves opening yeah. and stuff like that. And we wanted to capture that. So we would actually point a microphone in behind in the rooms and stuff like that, as opposed to just like sticking out in the middle of the, uh, which we definitely did too. Mm -hmm. We had uh, microphones pointed at in, in all the conventional spots, but we wanted to make sure we could hear, you know, the, uh, machine yeah yeah it was I very I cool yeah and i remember too i remember setting up an omnidirectional microphone in the middle of the church because i also wanted to capture what the organ sounded like in the room right um so i because i wanted so i wanted to pick up the room tone as well i wanted to basically i wanted to record the whole thing <laughs> of course you know i wanted to get the 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 mechanics of it and also the overall sound of what it you know what it feels like if you're actually sitting in the room with it um the uh, the other thing that that teacher always said is um uh, you know there's all these uh i guess there's all these sort of i guess rules to mixing and to getting the best sound and to EQ and things. But one of the things that he said is, look, don't, don't get caught up in doing things exactly the way you, you're supposed to do them. Mm. It, you know, and his thing is if it sounds good, it is good. Yeah. You know, if it sounds good, but you, you haven't, you know, EQ the drums the right way or something like, don't just leave them alone. If it sounds good, it it doesn't need to be done that way. And one of my mottos is, uh, you know, it's it's good to learn the rules, but it's it's nice to know the rules before you can break them. Yeah. And sometimes, if you want to break the rules, it, it's it's okay to break the rules, but it it is nice to know the rules that you're breaking. Yeah. So, um, that's how things progress. That's how things, you know, um. When you break a rule and it sounds good, it becomes a new rule. Yeah. So, yeah, don't be afraid to break the rules. You're being an innovator. Exactly. Yeah. Was it what? It, what was the? What's this? The joke? It's like one run. One wrong note is a, a mistake. Two wrong notes is jazz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um. Anyway. It could go uh, the other way, honestly. Yeah, One yeah. wrong note can probably sometimes be, you know, ignored as maybe being, oh, that's a neat little thing. Uh, more than one sometimes gets a little bit like, well, this guy sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, we've got the, the, this is the last song on the album proper. Yeah. Uh, 
This is uh, called Frank Mills. Cool. Yeah, that wasn't bad. And again, it was just uh, him, a foot tapping, and then the acoustic guitar. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was very effective. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of these songs, again, the other thing you can do is strip them right down. Yeah. Um, I th- and yeah, and I- the song stands out more. Yeah, I think if they had added, added anything else, it wouldn't have been as effective. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. certainly if, if they had given it the same treatment as like the first half of this album, it would have been another song to ignore. Mm-hmm. But again, the songs on these are, this is, these are good songs. These yeah. songs deserve better than what they got. Yeah. Um, at least certainly the first half. Second half of this album is... um. The second half of this album is the album, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, when you pick up this album, um, if you want to go and and do that, yeah, tracks eight through twelve seem to be the highlights. They're, they're the highlights. That's the um, price that that that's that's what you're paying for. Yeah, um, for the most part. Um, again, the, the, the first songs are pretty, uh, they're decent songs. I just wish they got more attention. Yeah. They, they deserve better than they got. Um, yeah, that was a, a decent song, sort of amusing and, uh, kind of sweet, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice, nice tribute to his friend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he suppose, uh, after that we can basically wrap it up with our, uh, in quotations, bonus track. The it's bonus the song track. everybody knows. Yes, I'm curious if this is the one. I, I, I wonder what movie this is from because I'm, I'm pretty sure I've Might heard this before. But I, I think I've heard know. this. It used to be on the radio. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, this is a cover of Simon and Garfunkel's "Mrs. Robinson." So. I was just doing a little bit of reading of that. I, I thought that was a, a good cover. Um, it's a, it's the thing that it's a, it, that the fact that it's a cover song is is definitely. I mean, okay, this is it's a good showcase. Obviously, that's different production because mm-hmm. that sounded way better. That's what I wanted to hear from the rest of this album. Yeah. Um. So apparently, this was actually recorded for. Um, the 25th anniversary of The Graduate, which is... Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, um, Simon and Garfunkel wrote the soundtrack the for that so- album. Yes. Or for that movie, and that this song was part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just reading about it, though, and uh, apparently Paul Simon absolutely hated this version, and Art Garfunkel thought it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and that says everything you need to know about Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. I think it was pretty good. Yeah. I, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, yeah. It's definitely a completely different animal than the original, mm-hmm. though it's definitely recognizable as it. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, this is, that's the production I wanted to hear on the rest of this album. Like you can, yeah. this song is the way it's written, honestly. I mean, the when you hear the, the songs on the album, they sound like songs that are sort of written in the same sort of style. Like there's an interesting thing go, going along. They're not boring song. They're not boringly written songs. There's neat stuff right. going on. They needed that presence and the, the production that, that really showcased that band. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, uh, that, that song showcased exactly what the band could have sounded like on the rest of this album. Yeah. Um, still, I would still say the second half of the album is, is a far vast impre- pr- yeah. improvement over yeah. it, but you can still sort of hear the, that same sort of core, um, production, which still needed some improvement, but they were doing things that made up for it throughout the rest of the album. Um, that song shows you just how good it could be. You know, another, something that just occurred to me that I never really considered is maybe like the second half of the album is what they recorded first and they were spending the time on, you know, doing stuff, but maybe they had a deadline and they just kind of rushed through it and said, well, we need to get this done. Maybe. I would try to mix the songs up a little bit more in that case. Cause yeah. Starting off as weak as the album did mm-hmm. is not going to keep a lot of people listening. They'd be kind of disappointed. And by the time you reach track eight, you're, if you reach it at all, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's a long way to wait before things start to really pick up. Yeah. Um, and this is for a casual listener. If you're actually listening to the song itself, there's probably, I mean, there's enough, the songs conti- contain, like I said, they're decent songs. They contain enough content to stand up on their own. Mm-hmm. I just don't like the way they were recorded. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, you, you don't get that kick in the face until the track eight though. <laughs> yeah. Which is, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty late in the album. Yes, it there. is. Um, yeah. Uh, I, uh, I pretty much agree and I, I don't, uh, I don't think I have anything more really to say about this. No, I think we, uh, I think we pretty much summed up our thoughts on the album. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, so uh, if you've made it this far, thank you uh, for listening. Um, if you can uh, check us out on, uh, uh, well, you can send us an email at uh, polyphonicpressmusic at gmail.com. Uh, you can, we now have Instagram. I'm, starting to uh get a little more active on instagram as a way to sort of yeah. promote the show I, I don't like twitter because it's i don't like twitter and, <laughs> i'm still um, on twitter a little bit but yeah i, so, I only so uh yeah. yeah you can follow us on instagram and um you can if you want to help out the show you can do that by going to buymeacoffee.com slash polyphonic press and you can check out the website polyphonicpress.com and uh that's about it uh i'm jeremy boyd and i'm john van dyke take it easy <laughs>